One dream, one wish. We want to see some Peter who's over the top. Welcome to Mermaid Dead Movies, the show where we don't talk smack about movies, we celebrate them. And today we're celebrating the One Piece anime 20th anniversary with a 20th anniversary film. One Piece Stampede! It's a rush of excitement, a trill ride of adventure and nostalgia and cameos. Oh my, oh my, oh my! With me once again is our co-host, Wheeler GTZ, who's actually on an episode and didn't bail on us. Good for you, Wheeler! I've only bailed on one episode. You <laughs> bailed on several episodes where Wix had to fill in for you. Broly! Spider-Verse! Oh yeah, I wasn't on Spider-Verse. No, you were that. not. That time period in the early beginnings of the year where you bailed on us was shameful. Honestly, I should get Vix to replace you as the co-host. <laughs> but never mind that, because this is a One Piece anime film review, and we had him on for the last one, so we're having him on again for this one. It's the Manga Mavericks... Host to co-host to Colton Solom. Hey, I'm here, and uh, yeah, I'm here to talk about another One Piece movie. Yeah, it's been about two and a half years since One Piece film gold. Once again, we got to see a One Piece film in theaters. Funimation put it in slightly more theaters this time. 540-ish compared to the 370-ish that gold was put in only about 150 theaters more, but the awareness of this movie must have been a lot better because it made as much on its opening night in the U.S. as One Piece Film Gold did its entire one-week run. Wow. So it was definitely quite a victory. It should end with double the sales of not breaking the mill mark. So very, very good to see this film have such success in the U.S., in fact, this film has been pretty successful worldwide. In Japan, it has officially become the highest grossing One Piece film, topping Z. And when it opened in China, it actually broke the worldwide top five for that week, for that weekend, which was quite impressive. But this film is definitely stampeding audiences. They're rushing into the theaters to watch it, it seems. And why is that? Well, I think it's because there's a lot of nostalgia going on. It's definitely a film for fans. And it's definitely the most event film a One Piece film has felt like since, I believe, Strong World. Not quite at the hype levels, at least uh, in terms of what Strong World did for One Piece. But this definitely is a, a big celebration of the franchise that people are definitely going out to see. And it was nice to see a lot of people attending it of our cheater experiences. Granted, it was never a full house, nor the most excitable crowds in both of the screenings we went to. But I was satisfied with the fact that there were fans present. They were into the film. They were laughing along at jokes. They were having a good time. And that was quite nice to see on both of the nights that we were there. How was your theater experience? How, what were the fans like in your screening, Colton? Um, I was going to say that, that that's funny because um, my theater was actually pretty packed, which is, nice. which at least as far as like 
you know, the St. Louis area here is concerned, like, uh, I don't know. Usually when I go to an anime screening, it's, it's not usually packed all the way, but this, this one was pretty close. I'm, I'm going to say at least 95% of the theater was packed compared to most screenings I've been to. I, I think, I think the only other screening that I went to that came close was probably My Hero Academia Two Heroes. Um, mm. but yeah, no, my crowd was, also pretty excitable. Um, a lot of fans that were, you know, current with the manga and anime and everything. I, I, I think there were two two guys sitting next to me who were literally like talking about Wano. Like they were they were both <laughs> caught up and like speculating on whatever. There were a couple of guys that came in with like their girlfriends who also liked One Piece uh, that also sat next to me. And uh, yeah, I mean, in general, yeah, they they all like they all cheered at like the moments you would expect. And everything, which we'll probably get into a little later. But yeah, no, just in general, I, I I had a I had a fun time with my crowd. It was probably the most excitable crowd I had been with in a in, in, in for any movie experience, I should say, for myself in particular. That was nice. Our crowds, unfortunately, were a little more chill. But you know, again, I was thought that they all did seem to be fans who enjoyed the film. I also will say that on our because that can time going to the film see the dub, there were kids present, which was hmm. also cool to see young One Piece fans come out for the film. Yeah, well. I think like a dad like brought his like two sons. Yeah. I think I think the dad was the big One Piece fan. Get him young, huh? <laughs> oh my. Well, hey, nice to see people are still discovering and getting into One Piece. But let's talk about this film. So this was uh Hugely promoted film, not as much promotion as Gold had, at least in Japan, but over here I feel like this was getting a lot of visibility and it was getting a lot of hype around it because all the early trailers were hyping up that, yeah, Luffy's gonna fight a former crewmate of Roger. We're gonna get cameos from all of these different characters at this Pirates Festival. That we know and love, and it's just gonna be this huge big party and chaotic frenzy. So, the film is basically kind of just one big fight after like the beginning sequence with this character, Douglas Bullet. I like to call it One Piece Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> in a sense this is an Avengers-esque One Piece film everyone's made all the comparisons and memes the everyone is here style type of meme with, with this film it is basically a team up of all the series' most popular secondary characters outside the Straw Hats cause you got Law there you got Boa Hancock there you got Smoker and it is a pretty satisfying to see these different characters team up and it Makes sense just because they all have a connection to Luffy. And that is essentially what leads them to join forces is that they all have trust in Luffy, even if they don't necessarily trust each other and come from different factions. But that was a cool kind of note to, you know, focus the movie on. The Luffy can bring people together. And that's kind of the whole thesis. And that's what makes Luffy so powerful in a way is his ability to connect with people, to inspire people to come together. Mm-hmm, for sure. I feel like for anyone who hasn't seen this movie, we should make very clear that 
if you're going into this movie looking for, say, like, for, for say, like, another film Z, where it's, like, this, this really powerful, like, character piece about a character that, you know, you could kind of get behind and you thought was a really interesting character. Like, the, this, the Stampede, I would call an event movie. Like, you are going to see this movie to see, you know, really cool shit happen. Like, you're, you, like, do not go into this movie expecting, uh, like, a super great story. At least I would say that personally. Yeah, instead of the Pirate Fest, they should have called it the Fan Service Fest, because this movie <laughs> is essentially just our greatest hits of characters, moments, and scenes from the show repackaged and regurgitated. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way, necessarily, though there are some problems that I had with certain things that they kind of reused, but generally this is definitely a film meant to appeal to One Piece fans and the memories of One Piece fans, you know, give them what they want. And really not a whole lot more, just kind of a feel-good, that was fun, I like seeing all this stuff again. Because I really care about the series and these characters. It's fun seeing a -hmm. story that uses so many of them in a fun way like this. And and I feel like I should say, you know, in in the wake of, like, I don't know if I want to call it a controversy, but, like, the the discourse that's been happening, what with, you know, famous filmmakers coming out and saying stuff like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't really cinema, you know, it's or whatever, just, like, completely downplaying that, like... I don't know. Personally, like, I don't think there's a problem with event movies in general. Like, I think they could be fun. But like I said, if you want something more than that, you're not going to get it here, unfortunately. I I, I just want to make it clear, this is not a saying that, like, it's a bad movie because of that, I guess. Several people have compared it to a 90s Dragon Ball Z film. Greg Werner on the One Piece podcast definitely compared it to a 90s era film. I would definitely agree it is very reminiscent of BoJack Unbound, which happens to be my least favorite Dragon Ball Z film. I will say I like One Piece Stampede a whole lot more, just on the strength of characters and the fact that this Bullet is not devoid of personality like BoJack. There's a little more coherency to the plot. But in terms of structure, in terms of there being a first act, which essentially is just an excuse for these characters to compete with one another and have some fun character interactions before dovetailing into the big fight against the bad guy in this kind of ruined landscape to give the sense of dread. Which takes like some 90% this of the film. Villain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is very, very similar to that film. And I would say, more than a One Piece film, this feels... A lot like a Dragon Ball Z film in the sense that the villain is so focused on power. Douglas Bullet's whole thing is that he wants to be the strongest. He's going to show that he's the strongest by beating everyone up and surviving a buster call. His mentality is so much like a Dragon Ball Z character more than any One Piece character. But One Piece characters are always fighting for ideals beyond just being at the top. They are fighting for freedom, they are fighting for something beyond just being strong. Their idea of being powerful is not uh, limited to this idea of physical power, but that's the whole thing in Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball, is that characters prove their strength by beating 
of other strong characters, and that is how they show they are the strongest. So Douglas Bullet is very much a Dragon Ball S character. He feels very similar to Jiren in terms of Thank this you. big strong guy <laughs> whose backstory is that he lost someone he cared about, and that made him disavow ever forming friendships or connections and believe only in the strength of the self. And so his conflict with the hero, in this case Luffy, is that Luffy believes in the strength of people come together, and that pushes him to uh, have great accomplishments, whereas Douglas Bluff only believes in the strength that he has and not relying on other people. He sees other people as a weakness, as an impediment. And he is proven wrong, ultimately, because Luffy only wins through the team effort of people that you know, come together, rally behind him to help him land decisive blows against Bullet. And without them, he wouldn't have been able to do that. And a key thesis uh, in the film that I actually appreciated, more so in the dub where I felt it was more pronounced, was that Luffy yells at Bullet towards the end of the fight, you're full of crap because you wouldn't have gotten to where you are without the support of other people of your friends, and then that leads Bullet to remember his relationship with Roger and how much that meant to him, and then realize that that relationship is what pushed him to break limits and has been actually what motivated this entire time, more so than his own personal ambition desires. So, good thematic ideas, connections there, but yeah, very, very similar to stuff covered in Dragon Ball Z and characters like Jiren in terms of that kind of I was going to say, I, I take back what I said earlier. This is One Piece Tournament of Power. That's basically what it is. <laughs> Specifically the final fight with Jiren. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, even in the beginning, they're all fighting with each other, and then it dovetails into the fight with bullets. So yeah, it is very Tournament of power at. Like, I'm glad you brought that up, because like as much as I really enjoyed this movie, and as much as I loved it personally... I couldn't help but think through certain parts, through certain parts of this movie, like, man, yeah, this, this guy's just Jiren. Like, yeah. I, I just, I just kept thinking of him, like, the entire run of the movie. Yeah. Douglas Bullet is not that interesting a character. No, like, he's not. he serves his purpose. He's a good thematic contrast to Luffy. I get the idea. Considering One Piece's core teams of people coming together to achieve great things, it's a good sort of, antagonist to kind of represent the antithesis of the series' thesis for this anniversary film. So the idea is okay. Execution is just not the most interesting character compared no, to yeah. previous movie antagonists that we've had in the last three films, who are all much more complex and have much more interesting philosophies than Bullet's simple idea of I want to be the strongest. Yeah, let me let me put it this way. I was I was so like uninterested in in bullets like past or whatever that like when when it came time for for basically the marines to like just give us a huge exposition dump via slideshow about his past that like I wasn't paying attention to that so much as I was trying to find more cameos in the meeting. There were a lot this movie takes a lot of effort to sprinkle in as many cameos as it can. I admit one of my biggest disappointments with the movie is actually I felt that they didn't even go all the way in terms of sprinkling in even more characters. But they definitely made a huge effort. Like, if you notice in any big crowd shot, like, pretty much all the characters you see in this movie, even 
like these random background characters are actually reused characters from the series. Like even these background characters who are just watching things unfold are like reused character designs you might have seen in the show. So like they really sprinkle in tons of different characters from One Piece since past, even anime original characters. Like Jonathan. Yeah, and there are like 20 different instances of Panda Man at the very least. Maybe that's just the entire race of people, Panda Man, because there's a Panda Man in the Marines, or Panda Man on several different crews at the Pirates Fest, and watching on the stadium, so. Well, I don't know, maybe, maybe Panda Man's just God, like, he's just everywhere. Panda Man yeah. just clones himself and just sends him to, like, all the different factions. <laughs> and he's, and he's cloned by Vegapunk. Yeah, maybe he's like, <laughs> Like the pacifistas, there's just a lot of different models of him. It's all coming together now. Like this is the un- real secret of One Piece. He's like an undercover spy, and that's why you can see him <sighs> having cameos everywhere. Mm, well, um, I guess uh, I don't know if we want to spend like a lot of time on this, but uh, how, how many how many cameos did you guys spot? Like, I think I only because I I tried to do a lot of spotting in the beginning of the movie, uh, where like not a lot was like actually happening other than like the straw hat shopping. Because I, I, I saw the movie subtitled, so I was also trying to pay attention to the subtitles. Um, so I couldn't do as, do as much cameo hunting, but I did spot, like, a couple, but, uh, I don't know, was there, was there any, were there any cameos that, like, really stood out to you guys at all? I think we need to freeze frame the movie to, like, really pick apart all of the different characters that show up. For sure, yeah. Even characters I recognize, you know, I don't know the names off the top of my head. Like, I've seen all those Marines at the Marine meeting. I couldn't tell you most of their names besides, like, Suru. But an obvious one that was very fun to pick out was Konis and that little oh, girl same. from Skypea buying takoyaki from Hachi and Kami. Like, that was a fun little interaction between those two sets of characters. Oh man, Konis, yeah, that was one I, like, immediately recognized. I was like, how did she get from Skypea? <laughs> but then again, we, we've seen in the series proper that, like, I guess there are ways to get down from Sky Islands yeah. to the surface, but it's just like... Uh, this must be a pretty big event for Konas to come down and just have some takoyaki. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you definitely don't need to overthink, like, what characters are coming where. It's just funny to think about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe Hachi's takoyaki is that good. Like, <laughs> I mean, look, I... It's world-renowned, five stars. I've had takoyaki before, but, like, I know there's better out there. Like, if if I lived on a sky island and I had to come down for one day, I would come down for the takoyaki. So, mm. it's just mm. that good. Yeah. And, like, most other characters are, like, in the background and stuff. And, again, like, I can recognize all the designs. I can't place names to a lot of characters. I mean, they sprinkle in movie character cameos, like, in the fashion show montage, not only at the beginning. Like, you have the Arena, her rival, slash friend from the film Gold. Oh, damn, I didn't even notice that. Actually, a lot of the film Gold villains make cameos in the background, like Hmm. uh, the Luck Lady is there, too. Interesting. I think I noticed, uh, because there were a bunch of ships at one point, and I think I noticed the Baradier at one point. Yeah, Baradier is there, which was really nice to see, even though we never saw Zeph or Patty or any of those characters. But Brody is there. The sea train is there. The cat from uh, from Alabasta. 
the cat and the the bird they used to get the the Skypea and the fox that was impersonating Chopper and the I saw that one too, yeah. 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 I think the guy who was like a Sanji look like, his like ship was also there. Oh uh Duval, yeah. Yeah, Duval. Uh, I'm sure they're in the movie, but I'm surprised I didn't see, like, the Kung Fu Dugongs there. Yeah, those seem like a obvious one they would put in in terms of iconic animal characters. I, I think that might be about it for cameos on my end. I only spotted, like, maybe, like, a handful that I, I can, like, remember. It's been a bit since I've seen this movie. A lot of them are concentrated in the first sequence before the title. Ooh, so yeah, like it goes by really fast. Again, you really need to frame it to pick out everyone. So yeah. again, throughout the movie, in the background, I'm pretty sure pretty much all of these, all the characters you see in this film are reused characters from the series. Even the characters that don't have names are like reused designs from the series. So it's like a huge like celebration of just a series that there's just kind of just Every character you could possibly recognize is in this. I mean, almost. Again, I, there were some characters that I was kind of disappointed did not show up. Oh. Jinbei is not in the film inside of one frame during oh, really? Usopp's oh. flashback of all the memorable Straw Hat moments. That He's only in one frame of this film. <sighs> yeah. And that... It's really surprising me because he's a major character. I'm surprised he didn't find ways to make Vivi cameo somehow because she's also an iconic character. And in the first trailer for this film, like they show Jinbei and Vivi scenes in this trailer, like hyping up 20th anniversary of One Piece. Here are iconic scenes featuring memorable characters. I'm, I'm surprised neither of those characters were in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, I'm surprised they abstained from using characters from Big Mom or Kaido's Cruise or any of the Wano characters. Like, they could have found ways, I guess, to sprinkle them there. Some of the most recent characters in the film are the revolutionaries that appear just in the background, like, towards the end of the film. And yeah. then, of course, Big News Morgans has speaking <laughs> lines. It's, fu- it's really fun to... Hear him in the dub, especially considering it's going to be years until we actually get to Whole Cake in the dub now that it's back. But we hear him, and that was fun. And, yeah, basically, they really abstained from uh, a lot of characters I thought they would use. I I thought they would find ways to work in some more East Blue villains, like Arlong and his crew, or Kuro, or Don Creek. Or they would use, like, I mean, I'm surprised more of the Grand Fleet besides Bartolomeo and Cavendish didn't show up, and Bellamy wasn't there. Again, for as many cameos there were in this film, it was all people I kind of expected to show up, and admittedly that was because I did watch trailers for the film, so I knew that people like Crocodile were going to be in there. But honestly, I was expecting even more. I was expecting everyone and we didn't quite get everyone, but we did get, again, important characters, the supernovas, the existing Shishibukai, except for Weevil, and a bunch of important marine characters. And, you know, they did have to kind of shoehorn excuses for some of these characters to show up to begin with. Fujitora is one that stands out to me as a character that shows up 
for no reason, spouts complete nonsense <laughs> about why he's there, like cryptic bullshit about fate that ha- makes no actual sense. Then he just leaves suddenly for no reason before doing this iconic meteor thing. Like to he's be just fair, there. Mihawk <laughs> kind of does the same thing. Yeah, Mihawk is also there just to show up and then do something cool. <laughs> Again, so they they had to find excuses for so many characters to be there to justify them being there already, and they didn't even justify them well. Yeah, I love um, with, like, Mihawk, how he, like, cuts up, like, the meteor, and he's like, this is, like, as far as my contract goes, and just, like, walks away. Yeah, I mean... I laughed so hard at that. And this is weird, because he's protecting the pirates from Fujitora's attack, so... Like, that's, isn't that against his contract? As a member of the Warlords, you're supposed to be on the side of the Marines. So, it's actually kind of a nonsensical... It's just a repeat of a catchphrase of his from the series. You know, yeah. they just try... Even if it doesn't make sense, they try to put stuff like that in there. Personally, I don't care so much about that just because, like, before that, uh, we got the coolest scene in the movie... Of Zoro cutting a meteor in half. Like, literally when I came home <laughs> from the movie and my roommate was asking, like, hey, well, how was, how was the movie? And I was like, look, dude, Zoro cut a meteor in half. That's all I needed <laughs> from this movie. <laughs> yeah, and that was nice to see. Ah, fuck, that was so good. Yeah, I mean, it's like kind of jumping the gun, I feel, because I feel like that would be something he would do when he would eventually fight Mujitor in the manga. But I guess maybe that's not something Oda is planning, so he let them go ahead with I that. think Fujitora is going to release multiple meteors in the manga. Oh, that would be amazing. basically Madara Chiha, I guess, in terms of this meteor power. So, sure. It'll be just like Madara, where he has the meteor, they stop, and you think, oh, you thought there was just one meteor, and then there's another one right on top of it. I was only using 1% of my power. Madara versus Fujitora fight. I want that to happen somehow in some crossover between yeah. One Piece and Naruto. Yeah. Like, a battle of meteors. I mean, send it over to Screw Attack. I'm sure they'll work on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That battle. That'd be perfect. The, the one that. thing I also love about the scene is, like, uh, Bartholomeo's, like, reacting to it. He's like, oh, my God, Zoro's saving us. We're saved. We're saved. Yeah. And then when the meteor keeps falling after he slices it half, he's like, oh, no, we're still screwed. <laughs> Yeah. That's another thing when you think about it. Bartolomeo is completely useless in the movie outside of giving that kind of commentary and falling over the straw hats. But I do love, man, when Nami sees his ship, the dove reaction especially I love so much because the delivery Lucy Christian gives of God, your ship. (laughs) <laughs> it's just so damn good. Just oh, her oh. almost disgust of it. It's just amazing. I really kind of hate myself for not being able to see the dub of this movie. Here's the thing. I love this movie so much. I would have seen this movie again if it weren't for the fact that I just unfortunately didn't really have any time after that first Thursday when uh, when it came out subbed. But, like, I've heard good things about the dub, and it really makes me want to, like, buy this on DVD or Blu-ray or something. Like, th- I'm, I'm definitely going to be owning this movie. Yeah, the One Piece dub is good, and there are a lot of great moments from the dub, like Ian Sinclair's laugh as Brooke after he does the fart, and, like, he's just cracking himself up. Oh, my up. God, it's that was one good. of the funniest things in the movie. I didn't really 
care for the fart joke as much, but I think it's like just the reaction to it was funny. Well, it just it just comes out of nowhere. Like I, I I'm not usually a big fart joke guy myself, but like I I thought this one was done pretty well. Where it's like you know the, they're they're trying to like sneak into the cave and it's all quiet, and then I don't know, just just something about just something about a couple seconds of silence, silence, and then suddenly you just hear a. Like, there's just something about that that was, I thought it was pretty well done, all things considered, but, mm-hmm. yeah. Speaking of the dub, there are two major recastings that is worth bringing up, mainly, uh, well, first off, let's talk about Chris Wager as Marshall E. Teach. Mr. Satan himself is now Blackbeard. Honestly, mm. it did a pretty good job. I don't think his z haha was quite as good as the previous performance, and certainly not the Japanese seiyu. Uh, but I do still think his voice fits the character in terms of the, the graveliness of it, and it was uh, kind of seamless, I feel, the transition, I think, between him and Cole Brown. I feel like they have very similar cadences. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the big one is that Savo has been recast, and now he is played by Johnny Young Bosch. And I was re-listening to our uh, One Piece film Gold review, and we were actually talking on that episode. You know, I was always, that we were wondering how Savo would sound like as uh, Johnny Young Bosch. Really? Wow. We actually were wondering that in our film Gold review, and now we have heard it. And honestly, it fits the character so well, better than the previous guy's performance. Yeah. For sure, because now Sabo sounds like someone who is mature and empathetic and a really kind instead of a narcissistic man-child. And I think that just <laughs> fits the character so much better. And... I really feel, especially considering Johnny and Bosch's other performances, other characters, like Bacchus and Beast, especially Yuchiko, you know, characters that have a lot of, like, heart and soul to them, like, Sahi really carries that across, and Sabo perfectly well, and I, I really, really love this casting, and I'm glad that Johnny and Bosch is now the one and true Sabo. Mm, look, I'll, I'll say this about Johnny and Bosch, as much as as much as I, I don't really care much for Bleach, I think his performance as uh, Ichigo, when, when I was first watching the show on uh, on Toonami years and years ago, his acting is incredible. And, like, when I think Ichigo, like, I I think of him. I think of his performance. Like, he is the character for me. So, I'm really glad to see him in other stuff nowadays. Like, I know, V-Lord, uh, I know you... You could probably confirm this that he's also Tomioka in the new Demon Slayer dub, and I, I heard he's been doing pretty well. Yeah, he sounds amazing in that. Like, I think the first episode, people were saying like his like speech to Tanjiro, the performance there was like I think one of his best performances. Mm-hmm. Like he he's just nailing everything that he's doing recently. Yeah, personally, I think I would have to. I I feel like I'd have to hear him more as Sabo. To have a full opinion on his uh, on his performance, but like from from what I heard, oh no, wait, no, I didn't see the dub. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> see, I, now now I'm getting all confused. Um, no, yeah, I, I I would like to hear him as uh, as Sabo. I'm I'm sure he did a good job. Yeah, for me, Johnny Young Bosch's iconic role is always going to be Vash the Sandpeed from Trigun, 
Oh, yeah. And in terms of a character being kind and wanting to be right in the world, I feel like that performance as Vash, I feel like he channeled a lot of energy into Sabo, and I think it fit the character really, really well. And in general, like this, I like Johnny and Bosch a lot when he's playing protagonists who aspire for justice. Like, uh, another recent role of his that I really like is Zora in Black Clover. Oh, wow. So... Oh, yeah, I forgot he's Zora. Another great casting. I think that a character like Sabu is really up his alley, and he really did well. I love his interactions with Smoker, especially in the film, and his delivery of, hey, nice job, Smokey, was just so <laughs> charming. I really, really liked it. Um, you know, I I think the one of the few things I don't like about this movie is that it reminds me of characters that I wish were in the series more. I mean, Smoker and Tashigi, they had their roles in Punk Hazard, but it's like, I don't know. I, I, I think when I, when I was first getting into One Piece, like, I, I really liked that, uh, I, I, like, I really liked the, the relationship that, like, Luffy and Smoker kind of had, where it was, a it was a very Lupin Zenigata-esque kind of thing, and, like, I kind of wish we would see more of that. I, I wish there was more time for that kind of thing, I guess. And, and in general, like, there were just a bunch of other characters in this movie that I was just like, Man, I really want to see more of them. <laughs> yeah, that was the nice thing about the movie is that it kind of gave a lot of fan favorites who haven't been in the series for a while some neat stuff to do. And in terms of like the major team that comes together at the end of the movie, Boa Hancock and Buggy and Smoker, especially it was nice to see them take some spotlight after not really getting a whole lot to do in the series in the past couple of years Mm -hmm. outside of brief check-ins on them. Yeah. Boy, I don't know about you guys, but uh, when Hancock showed up, um, that got a reaction out of my theater. Yeah, I think there was actually in the first showing that we went at, someone did like cheer when Hancock showed up. They were like, yeah, and they were clapping. (laughs) So she's popular. Um, Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and I, I gotta give Hancock credit. She's, she's not really like one of my favorite characters, personally, though I will admit she, it's not like she doesn't have good moments, but, but I, I think she, she had a lot of good moments, especially in this movie. Like, I think one, one of the, one of the best bits of animation in this movie is when she's running towards, uh, Bullet when he's in his giant trashy CGI form or whatever. And, uh, and she starts running up him and kicks him. Like, that was one of the best parts of this movie. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, it shows that Hancock's really, really strong, really cool. Honestly, I also just really appreciated all the humor with Hancock. Honestly, in this film, the gag of her fawning over Luffy never got old, and I got a kick out of it every time. It was very endearing and funny. It was even kind of adorable. She was, like, just, yeah, it was adorable that she was just, like, giggling in the background and going like, a lovey-dovey in the background whenever Luffy was talking or spoke to her and stuff. <laughs> like, it was really, really adorable, for sure. So, I appreciated that. Really nice. Yeah, because cause I, I think that's part of the reason why I'm not so big in the Hancock is usually... Like, like previously when we saw her, like, that was, that was kind of, like, all she would do on screen or whatever. But then you forget, like, this chick is powerful. Like, she could do some cool shit. Yeah, I mean, she's not one of the warlords for nothing. She, exactly, again, as, yeah. uh, to quote her from a recent manga chapter, the reason why they chose us as warlords is for our strength. Like, there's a reason why she has this position. 
Yeah, so for sure. It's cool to kind of see that because we haven't really seen like the full extent of her powers in the series itself yet. But we definitely see here that she's on the level with some of the strongest in the series. Mm-hmm. I guess just to kind of backtrack, I, I think my favorite cameo was, or not cameo, but I think my favorite appearance other than, other than Mihawk and Hancock was probably Crocodile. I appreciated seeing Crocodile again because he has not done anything and not, not even a single speaking role since the New World. Mm-hmm. So I like that he was in this film. I wish he did more, but I appreciate he did get an attack in and did damage on Bullet. So that was really neat. I also like that he was scheming. He was working with Law, but trying to betray the group as typical Tracker fashion to get the eternal pose for himself. I really like that for as little croc as there was in the film, I appreciate he was there. And I really love that when Luffy breaks the eternal pose, like his reaction... The way he delivers his line in the dub, especially, you bastard. It was so great. It was so great. Oh, I man. just, like, it's not like a turned up hatred of Luffy, but he's just super annoyed and pissed off at him still. I just love it so much. Like, Crocodile is in such a weird place right now because, like, Crocodile feels like the kind of character that, like, could come back and maybe have some significance just because it's like... You know. Yeah, I think Crocodile's definitely going to come back in a major way when he does finally show up again. Because now he he's rekindled his dream, in a yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, he's pursuing his dream. He's going out and actually doing pirating things, it seems, again. But he's also still interested in this ancient powers and all that stuff. So he knows lore things. Mm-hmm. So he knows politicky things. He has connections with Ivan Kov, so he has, you know some stuff there to explore. Like, there's a lot still to do with Crocodiles. I'm fully expecting him to come back. Oh, yeah, for and sure. do a lot when he does show up again. Yeah. Speaking of, though, Ivankov, another character surprised not in this film, or Dragon, you know? Again, a Dragon, uh, I can I'm understand really not showing up for the movie, but, like, Ivankov and, or even, like, Inazuma, like, either of those two, I'm, I am actually kind of surprised weren't in this movie. Yeah, especially since uh, so many other revolutionaries are there. Mm-hmm. Even if they're just on the ship with Sabo at the end, like Koala is there, Hawk is there, all the other big wigs are there. So why not even Cog, even just on the ship as a cameo? But yeah, yeah. one interesting, uh, notable admission. Like when it, when it comes to characters like Dragon or even like Shanks, like I'm not surprised they didn't show up in this movie because like th- those. I think those two th- those two characters would have been too big for for a movie like this or whatever. Like th- those those are char- those are characters I I think you would say for like like a real real turning point for the series for the series proper. I think. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't even show Shanks in one of Bullet's flashbacks since he was also on Roger's crew. I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, there were excuses to show other characters that I'm surprised that they uh, didn't take advantage of, like. Especially with the fact that Bullet is a guy from the past, they could have used that to show excuses, uh, show scenes of... Flashbacks to all the emperors, basically. Yeah, basically flashbacks <laughs> to all the emperors, essentially. You know, not even, they don't have to be in the present, but they, you see them in the past interacting with Bullet. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so again, it's, it's interesting. As much as, uh, as filled as characters as this thing is, there are actually characters that you, that 
the series does have the strength to leave off, so that was kind of interesting at the very least. But, I, you know, I guess I do appreciate, overall, the character interactions. Honestly, I really liked the Eleven Supernovas just all being together and fighting each other and then fighting Bullet together. I thought that was really neat, because mm-hmm. we haven't really seen that since Shivandi, so that was kind of nice to have again. Yeah, I actually sure. really appreciated kind of seeing Bonnie get a chance to fight and show off like what she can do. I guess she can age up eggs and release them to birds to attack people. And then, but honestly, Boy. like her, her five million turns of like trying to land kicks and, uh, you know, that kind of maneuvering. I also was very impressed by. But yeah, of course she couldn't actually touch blood and turn him into a kid to send the fight with the over. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they couldn't have her do too much. Shit. Yeah, because they have to find reasons for her not to be able to touch someone she's fighting. Because otherwise she would... It, it's kind of like in One Punch Man Season 2 where it's like, you know, uh, or I guess in One Punch Man in general where it's like Saitama is so powerful that like you need to kind of find an excuse to get him away from the action for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like my, um, in terms of the movie, I feel like my biggest highlight was by far Usopp. I have mixed feelings on how Usopp was done, because I do think there was a lot of heart, and again, the thematic idea that Usopp is a support character, he says this outright, that he's a sniper, he's there to support his crew from a distance, uh, and then he has a huge role and taking down Bullet because his plants are what destroys his mech armor and allows Zuffy to fight him just one-on-one in the air uh, without the use of Bullet's powers to aid him. So he plays an incredibly essential role in that, and that was very satisfying to see. And he, it's also very nice to you know be reminded of the emotional connection he has with Luffy, how much he cares and supports him. But what really took me out of the film during, you know, a lot of this stuff for Usopp is fighting back against Bullet, and then when he's carrying Luffy and saying, don't die yet, Luffy, and then lifting the the falling flaming pillar and all that stuff, is that it's so, all of, a lot of Usopp's lines and a lot of these scenes feel very retreaded for the series for me, which in itself is like, those scenes so far weren't that bad, but then what really got me and kind of annoyed me was that scene where Usopp is like, I'm sorry, Luffy, I'm so weak, I'm such a failure, I shouldn't be part of your crew, because that is repeated stuff from Water 7 that Usopp definitely should have gotten over by now. Like, I have accepted that at this point, Oda has kind of backtracked on Usopp's confidence a little bit, because at the beginning of the New World, and Fishman Island, we saw a confident Usopp, but then starting from Pong Hazard, he reverted back into being cowardly again. And now, I'm okay. You know, I've accepted that, that Oda's backtrack on that. But this is one thing where I found him very unacceptable, because he's learned this lesson. He's had this conversation and this insecurity and doubt with Luffy in Water 7. He got that stuff resolved. He should know better by now. This feels very out of character for where Usopp should be at this point in the series. 
I thought that this was such a ploy, such a um, scene that was so a little manipulative. just meant to call back to Water 7 in, yes, a very nostalgically manipulative way. Just, again, a lot of this movie is finding excuses to regurgitate fan-favorite moments and scenes of the series, including paraphrasing iconic lines from the series of not outright having characters state their famous catchphrases. And this was one moment where it's like, this is just repeating Usopp's despair after they rescue him from the Frankie family house and then his own insecurities in Water 7 all over again. It just did not work where Usopp's character should be, and it just felt... It just did not feel true to the char- where the character should be at, and I was very annoyed with that. That was like... That was like a line where I felt the movie kind of crossed, because it, it misunderstood what the character is now. Because I, I just... That was something that really did annoy me. I think that's all totally valid. I, I can I can see where you're coming from on that, and I I'd be kind of hard pressed to not agree. Though at the same time, I don't know. I can't say it didn't work because it's like I don't know. Because uh, I, I feel like I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't disagree. Because like I kind of like I I don't know. I'm I don't know if we have like different opinions on this. Maybe other people do, but like like you know I, I felt the I kind of felt the same way uh kind of during Whole Cake Island where. It sort of became, I'm not saying it was, it was like all, like this was all the arc was, but like, you know, the, the, the reason I'm, I think overall I'm not as happy with that arc because part of it was, you know, kind of retreading that sort of rescue arc thing where it's like, we got to rescue another crew member and, you know, Sanji doesn't think, you know, he thinks he, he thinks he has to like sacrifice himself or whatever because he doesn't want to hurt his crew or, you know, have his, have Zeph hurt or whatever when it's like, Luffy's gonna take care of it. Like he should believe in Luffy. I, I I feel I feel like the same issues you had with Usopp's arc in this movie. I kind of I've I've had those same issues with the series proper. So it's like I I see where you're coming from on that. But I, yeah. I don't know. Like I I still think Usopp with with all the even with some of the retreading. I I still thought he I, I still appreciate his role in this movie. I don't know. Like I just I I love those moments where like you know clearly Usopp as much as I love him like. Otis stated before that he's supposed to be the everyman like he is he's supposed to be like I guess like the most normal guy in the crew in terms of like strength and whatnot like he is not as strong as like Luffy's or or even Sanji or whatever like he's he's one of the weaker members of the crew physically but like but with that in mind like I still appreciate like it makes me appreciate more when he like stands up the bigger the bigger villains like Bullet or whatever like I, I really like that moment where he kept shooting his pop greens into uh into Bullet's mech armor, and at first I was like, oh man, Usopp, like, like, I felt really sorry for him, but it's like, I I feel stupid because, like, I don't think I saw it coming that that was gonna, like, play a part in the movie later, because I I think my theater crowd, uh, like, audibly cheered when, like, (laughs) you know, you you have Luffy coming in for the final blow, and then you you start to see, like, vines popping out and tearing off its arm, and and we're just all like, oh, fuck yeah, dude! Yeah, like go Usopp. Like it was, it was a pretty cathartic moment. So, again, yeah, I, I do, I do agree that they do kind of retread certain moments a little bit. But it's like, I can't not be happy that this movie gave Usopp stuff to do. Yeah, I also thought that the moment where Usopp's 
plant, destroy bullets, armor was very satisfying. So again, and it also begs the question why Usopp was being down on himself before if he knew that he'd already planted those seeds and that they were going to destroy bullet from the inside. Like he already I guess had that's a true, plan. Yeah. Why was he being down on himself before? So again, I get that just again, stuff like that kind of made me feel like, yeah, you're just retreading ideas from the series. Usopp standing up to Bullet, saying his speech about Luffy's going to be king of the pirates, he believes Luffy's just retreading stuff he said during the Miss Merry Christmas, Mr. Four or Five, you know, I, it's just, it was those moments where, where I was most aware that this movie was pulling from stuff that the series has done before, and so that kind of took me out of it a bit, but yeah. I like Usopp, like, for the longest time, Usopp was my favorite character for his character arc, and I did feel like he had the most emotional moments in the series. And the series did, you know, make me feel during some of Usopp's scenes, because Kapi Yamaguchi and Sunny Strait do a really great job expressing the heart of that character. I think that they could have been written well to be less derivative of stuff, and kept some consistency in terms of the character's mindset in terms of like what his plan was and like God of himself and all that but I do appreciate that the movie did choose out of all the straw hats to focus on their connection with Luffy Usopp because he his relationship with Luffy is one of the most compelling uh, in terms of how much he believes in him yeah, and for moments sure. where he stood up for him throughout the series mm-hmm. and Honestly, uh, for as little as uh, the other strides get to do, I do appreciate that the movie does try and find, like, one cool thing for them to do throughout the film, whether it's Nami using Zeus, uh, Cloud Tempo to, like, shock, uh, Sentomaru and a bunch of pacifistas and Foxy's crew. That was pretty funny. And then we, of course, have at the end, Zoro and Sanji interfering against Rob Lucy and Crocodile's plans to steal the Eternal Pose. That was which good, yeah. Was nice, especially their line, don't mess with our captain. You know, I did appreciate, you know, that. Brooke saves, um, Usopp from, uh, the falling yeah, burning Bruce, building. That was kind of neat. Yeah, Brooke uses his, uh, ice chill power to freeze the, the falling fiery, uh, wood. So that's nice. And uh Chopper geez, Chopper does something, right? Besides healing Usopp. I can't remember what Did he? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, some of the straw hats do kind of fall to the wayside. I like, think that Robin did like the least. Robin actually did not accomplish anything. Like her whole thing was like she found I guess this escape route map, but that actually didn't end up mattering at all because there were already navy there and and ultimately it was Sabo who got him out of the situation, so Robin actually ended up being completely wasted. I appreciate the interaction she had with Crocodile. I mean, that's, it's kind of an obvious thing to do, but it's nice to see them interact again and him refer to her as Miss All Sunday. You know, he yeah, gets chills when he showed up and did that, so. Miss Order Sunday. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, you think back to how Santi tells Law, who is horribly injured, to carry Robin out of 
a situation when they're fighting the smoker. That's, That's just pretty dumb. Why me. would you? Why does Law need to carry Rob? Robin can fight for herself for one thing. Robin should be the one carrying Law yeah. with her many arms. That would have yeah. been funny. That's just some <laughs> subtle, not very. They didn't think that's true, and it just comes across as unintentionally sexist. So. Maybe it was for the Law Robin shippers. There are. Do those I exist? Guess, I don't know. <laughs> they probably do. Um, I okay. know Frankie and Robin exist. Um, see, I I didn't really care for that balls. moment. I didn't care for that moment either, but. We have to give Sanji credit. He really behaved himself for this movie, and yeah. they didn't rely on his stupid shtick at all, which I thought was good. I appreciate there wasn't any exploitative fan service or Sanji being a pervert. In oh, man. Yeah. Which, I gotta be honest, like, I think, I don't know, I even after Whole Cake, I'm still... I'm still kind of mixed on Sanji nowadays, um, cause I, I still think even with all, even with all the stuff he went through on Whole Cake Island, I still think, I still think the biggest problem with this character is that, oh, when it comes to Oda or anyone else, like, they really heavily rely on his stupid, like, I love women gag or whatever, and his perverted jokes, which, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, for as much as Sanji says he loves women, he has a lot of sexist behaviors that go unchallenged under the, Guys of chivalry, so and Oda does not comment on that critically, so very nope. problematic. I guess I'm just gonna have to accept that that's probably never gonna change. So, mm-hmm. mm. yeah. With that being said, in comparison, I I'm I'm happy that this movie didn't rely on that thing. Yeah, for greatest hits of gags from the series, I'm glad that is one gag they did not choose to feature. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie in terms of characters that show up and characters that get spotlighted. I will say that in the all the trailers leading up to this film, the final ensemble was made very clear of like who the team to take down Bullet was going to be, which characters were going to be teaming up. Yeah. Luffy, Law, Hancock, Smoker... Sabo, uh, and, Sabo Buggy. and Buggy. And Lushi. They made sure to feature Lushi. He was given just as much attention as all these other characters that he was going to be a part of the group. <laughs> and in the movie, when you have that sweeping shot showing off all the members of this team getting ready to attack Bullock, you can see in the background, and the camera lingers on this, Standing on top of, like, a giant rock pillar is Lushi. He's, like, in the distance, but he's in the shot. So the idea is that he's supposed to be a part of this group. But he's not really. He actually did nothing in the film. That was kind of a thing in the film. Like, Lushi would appear in the backgrounds constantly, but he's not really doing anything. He didn't do anything. I was so confused because all the promotional material was including Lushi as part of this team and hyping him up as being a part of this team that's going to take down Bullet, but he does not participate in that final attack at all. In fact, really the only thing he does, and I don't even understand why he does this, is that he blows up Bullet's, like, falling arm when it's about to crush Buggy. I don't know why he does that, For because for one thing, the arm was already falling to the ground. It was already detached from Bullet's body. It was destroyed. And two, why does he care about saving Buggy? He doesn't give any dams about pirates, and like, it's obvious, like, his only goal was to watch and let Luffy's group defeat Bullet for him so he would steal the Eternal Pose, but, like, Buggy is not a part of that, really. Like, he knows that Buggy being crushed is not going to affect that at all. I don't know why he does 
that at all. It's just maybe that, it's because he's a warlord. That's the only no, reason I can think of. No, but he doesn't care about the warlords at all. I don't know. I, just, I, look, I'm just trying to rational, rationalize this as much as you. Um, I mean, yeah, again, it's just he—it's just an excuse for him to do some sort of attack, but not actually make any sense at all. It doesn't actually contribute in a meaningful way to the conflict. Because it's not like saving Buggy does anything either. It's not like Buggy is actually... He's just caught up in the crossfire. Like, I love Buggy in this film, and I'm so happy he was featured prominently. But, you know, he's not really a huge contributor to that final No, he's not. He's just fun relief, and I like that. But, like, again... Lucci's actions don't make a whole lot of sense in terms of why he saves Buggy in that moment. Yeah, Lucci's Lucci's weird too because it's like I'm sure the excuse that they were thinking is he's a part of CP0. He's supposed to be like in the background or whatever because that's just what CP0 is all about, I guess, because they're a secret agency or whatever that work for the government. So maybe that's their excuse for why Lucci is not really so prominent. But and they're trying to make him prominent. I will bet anything that Lucci's only only in the film because he's hot and he's popular. Like I've I've well, made peace with yes, him. Yes, <laughs> he's definitely popular. But again, he they try to emphasize that Lucci is there. Like in that scene where you're seeing all the strats, like I mean, you're seeing Luffy's group, like you have that child like showing off them preparing to go at bullets, like, you see them, the camera, fixate on Lucci standing on that pillar in the background. Like, you know that he's, he's in this composition when it zooms out to see all the characters, like, lined up at the end. And then the promotional material, especially, they gave him his own character trailer. They have him a part of, like, the group illustration. They have him a part of emphasis that, yeah, he is part of this final group that's going to take that bullet, but he doesn't. He's not actually a part of this group, really, so I don't know why they tried to hype him up or promote him like he was. If anything, Crocodile did more damage to Bullet and actually contributed, so why wasn't he there as part of this ensemble emphasized as much? So that just confuses me, kind of bewilders me. I think it's probably just because Lucy's Maybe the more popular character? But no, so, I, even so, actually I think Crocodile still remains the most popular One Piece villain according to popularity polls, but I was confused because of the promotional material, what the promotional material was implying. Like, I don't understand. Well, yeah, they're trying the to get the Lucci idea. fans in. Yeah, you gotta I, get that Lucci buddy. Well, uh, you think that they would at least try and have him actually <laughs> contribute in some way beyond That's how like, they get you. Just being there. <laughs> I, yeah, but again, it's just so baffling to me. The disconnect between the promo- what promotional material implied and then what he actually did. Well, anyway, uh, we mentioned Buggy earlier. He was probably one of the best parts of this movie. Yeah. I, 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 I thought his stuff was pretty funny. Like, it took me a bit, even reading the manga, that this didn't click with me. I didn't realize what it, what his outfit was like. So, like, when I first saw this in the movie, I was like, why does he look so big and floppy? <laughs> that really confused me for a second, and then I realized, oh, he's using his chop-chop powers. Okay, that makes Man. sense. But it's just Bug- like... Buggy really let himself go, guys. Well, he's not fat. He just became super tall. <laughs> I mean, he really grew. Like, like Buggy, Buggy looks like one of those, like, um, looks like one of those, like, uh, arm-flailing balloon things that you would see at, yeah. like, a... 
<laughs> like a parking lot or something. <laughs> totally does. Yeah. Uh, oh man, but um, yeah, he had some good moments too. I think the most my theater laughed at him was when uh, the arm was coming down and about to crush him, and he's like, yeah, try, trying to accept his death while running away, and that took like five minutes or whatever. That 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 joke went on for so long that it like for me it started to get to be not funny to the point where like it started to get funny again. Like, how long is this going to take? <laughs> When's the yeah. arm going to come down? <laughs> I mean, I like the Mr. Satan as payoff, that he fires the muggy ball, it doesn't do anything, but then it explodes because of Luchi's attack, but he thinks he did it, so they Which, which is unfortunate, because, like, I'm not gonna say his, um, his muggy balls, as they're now called, um, are, like, the most powerful thing ever, but we've seen, like, what kind of damage those could do. I was, yeah, I was, they I was at least expecting, a, expecting an explosion, so that kind of caught me off guard, yeah. personally. I'm actually disappointed, because it would have been nice if it actually did do destructive damage. That would have been a nice moment for Buggy, that you built him up as this joke character, but then you're reminded, oh, he can actually sometimes actually accomplish results. So I'm kind of sad that Luchi stole the glory for him. Yeah, I am a little too. I thought the funniest thing involving Buggy was when he... When he face planted into the ground, and the whole time that like we're we're getting our core grouped together for the final blow or whatever, like the entire time, even when they even when they include that shot of everybody in the same shot with like their group poses or whatever, he's still in the ground. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought I thought that was probably my favorite buggy joke. Mm-hmm, for sure, and I also appreciate the shade that Mister Three and Alvida constantly throw at him throughout the film. Like, man, all these crewmates of ours are so stupid for buying into this guy. <laughs> oh, you didn't die? Like, Alvita's disappointment about that is so funny, too. I forgot that I'm going to assume a good portion of his crew members now are still the Impel prisoners. Yeah. Or Impel Down prisoners. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that would make sense. But no, yeah, is there is there anything else we want to mention about this movie? Like, it... It's really hard to talk about this movie just because it's like, again, the story's very, very light. Yeah, there's not much story to it. It's just they all gather at the Pirates' Fest, and it's the excuse for Douglas Bullitt to Oh, well, well, actually, people. here, how do we feel about, um, I guess, how, how do we feel about the introduction of the, uh, of the internal pose to Laugh Tale? And uh, how that was resolved, because uh, I thought that really... Oh, it was pretty obvious. I mean, because I mean, movies obvious, done this yeah, before, like, I... with the eternal pose to Alabasta, him not letting Rayleigh tell him where Laugh Tale was to begin with. Like, you knew he was just going to destroy the eternal pose. Well, the, I mean, yeah, like... Re- I, again, this is just yeah. another thing retreaded from the series, so... But see, I, I, thought, me, I, I thought, thought it was like, a I good callback, though. Uh... I mean, everything in this movie is a callback, so... Yeah, but I, I thought this was a good one, though. That's what I'm saying. Because sure. it's like, yeah, sure, it's obvious, but it's like... I don't know. Like, personally, even though I... Sure, it is a bit of a retread, but I still appreciate when the series kind of explores the similarities between Luffy and Roger. Especially when you have the post credit scene at the end where one guy's like, Hey, uh, Roger, I, I made this thing so we can come back to this place. And he's like, nah, fuck that, throws it into the ocean. <laughs> I thought yeah. that, I, that was such I a mean, great scene. I always have had mixed feelings about the Luffy-Roger comparisons because it's like too much of Luffy is so special. I mean, I feel like Luffy is already too special just because he's... Garth's grandson. And That's then fair. He was childhood friends with 
a guy who grew up to be one of Whitebeard's lieutenants, and then another guy who is the second command of the Revolutionary Army's father is a revolution. Like, Luffy is already so special, and then to add on to that, that, oh, he inherited the straw hat that was passed down to him from Shanks, which was passed down to Shanks from Roger, and then Luffy is so much like Roger. They share so much ideals, so much similarities to Power King. I mean, I just don't really care for just how special they make Luffy. I just feel that kind of robs kind of a lot of what I liked Luffy at the beginning in terms of what he was as a character. So the more they add on to that kind of stuff throughout the series, the more I become less interested in Luffy in a way because it just becomes too much, oh, this is a character of destiny. It's like kind of the exact same problem I had with Naruto as Naruto went on. It's kind of a problem I increasingly have with shonen protagonists that can, that I find disappointing. Is that no one that is, is allowed fair. just to be normal. Yeah, that that is fair, but I personally I'm I'm okay with it as long as it doesn't turn out like oh, Luffy is actually uh related to Roger. Like I think that would be the moment where I'm just like, okay, this is this is jumping the shark for me a little bit. Ace, which is already kind of a stretch to begin with, but I've accepted at this point. But, you know, again, like, it's part of Luffy's character. It was totally in line for him to do, and which is why I expected him to do it. You know, it made sense. I didn't feel strongly about him breaking it, because I knew he was going to do that. I like Crocodile's reaction to it, and then Luffy telling why he did it to Crocodile. That, to me, made the scene more so than him actually breaking it itself. Mm-hmm. satisfying moment. It was like him breaking it and foiling Crocodile and Rob Lucci and them getting pissed at him. That that made it for me. That's and fair. Even at the end when he's and Nami's like, do you even care about One Piece anymore? That was funny and fun to me. And the movie speech about, you know, why would I want to ruin the adventure? There's so much more to explore. You know, that that's a good sentiment and I like that. That's totally in line with Luffy's philosophy and uh, the law philosophy I appreciate about the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think that's why I like that scene is because I, I like it's one of the themes of One Piece I like exploring along with like exploring, you know, what people view as like their treasure and whatnot. Just like the kind of stuff they used to that Oda used to really explore like in the beginning, but doesn't really have the chance to explore as much currently, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And while I didn't feel like the soundtrack of this film was too memorable, I mean it was mostly just re of the show soundtrack. I mean, I do think they used We Are and Memories very well. Memories, especially during the scene where Usopp is carrying Luffy and saying, don't get die, don't give up on me. Like, that was very emotional and heartfelt. And then, of course, the use of We Are during the final competition between Luffy and Bullet was perfect. You know, oh, classic song. That, that, that feel when, when you play the opening uh, during the final battle. Yeah, especially, you know, the first iconic opening of the series. You know, classic songs, very perfect in this nostalgic, celebratory context. So, really, really like that. And then, beyond that, I guess there are stray character moments I guess I'll point out that I liked. I liked that when Perona showed up, she used her ghost on Sentomaro. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Again, this is another thing, though, where it's like, you think that that would get Nihawk in trouble that his companion has attacked 
like a member of the Marines. But then again, Perona is not technically, can technically make the excuse that Perona is not like with him. She's free to do whatever she wants. And it's just like, again, no, you don't need to overthink it. You could hand wave that, honestly. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that in the film. I mean, I like that, uh, consistently, Waffle and Foxy got clowned on. They didn't even <laughs> introduce them properly when they were going through this rigmarole so of introducing all the supernovas. And then and they built up them trying to attack the Thrawns, but actually they were asking for help. That was funny. Waffle's ship gets sliced in half by Mihawk. Pretty funny. I think when Mihawk showed up, like, I think that was the first time my theater, like, audibly gasped. <laughs> yeah, I think people in our theater also got pretty hyped at that. And I gotta say, though, it's kind of weird Waffle is there since he's, like, a king again. He's not really a pirate still, so. But again, you know, don't need overthink things like that. It's just, uh, kind of fun, weird things like that. And then... I appreciated that the revolutionaries rescued Hachi and Kami and Papag, and that, that was, was like nice, one of the yeah. final scenes. That was cute. And that end credit sequence actually is full of kind of like fun little moments. Like I'm disappointed that Lost Crew wasn't in the film as much, but I liked that shot of Beppo <laughs> hugging him and all his crewmates celebrating. And Laz, of course, such a sundere, he's not going to express any joy, but it's, I just like seeing how much Laz's crew loves him, even though he's not <laughs> a loving guy. I want to see Beppo kick ass again. Yeah, has he? I don't remember if he's ever kicked ass, but... Yeah, yeah he, in, in Shabandi, he, he had a few moments. Oh, okay, well, I don't remember that. But yeah, they should do stuff in the current dark, hopefully. And then... Man, you could probably go on and on a list of things that were fun in the film. Laugh-tail, I guess we finally... That is a super important thing to note, is that for the place you long thought was called Laugh-tail is supposed to be called Laugh-tail. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It doesn't really sound like a name of a place, but it really fits in line with the series, what we know of Roger and his philosophy and architecture yeah. and whatnot. So, kind of neat clarification. Interesting to see... I mean, they're going to probably have to go with that in the English versions of both the anime and manga going forward. I mean, they de did in the dub. They're going to have to do it when it next comes up in the manga, too, I'm sure. So, be interesting to see. I think I'm goes. okay with Laugh Tale as as opposed to, like, Levely and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, personally. Reverie already was a name that evoked certain connotations and makes more sense than something like Levely. Laugh Tale also makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You get an idea across, so I get it. Uh, it's kind of strange that it took 20 years to clarify this. Or You'd think that they just would ask Oda for like a Romanized spelling of it. No, no, yeah. no, we can't ask Oda. Nope, that would give away the mystery. <laughs> it's just like Luffy. Like We don't want any shortcuts on our adventure. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's about all I wanted to bring up. This was a pretty loose review, I feel, but that's because this movie is kind of pretty all over the place as well in terms of cutting back to different characters and scenes. Yeah. So you infer something without much of a, a plot, there is so much going on still in terms of stuff happening on screen. Uh, so I wouldn't say this was one of my favorite One Piece films. I enjoyed watching it more the second time than I did the first, and 
ultimately, I would say that I did enjoy the film, and I think it is a fun watch that I would watch again. Definitely not as strong as the previous three One Piece films, but it's definitely a treat for fans, and it should very much satisfy One Piece fans. And even non-fans, because it's not very plot-heavy, if you just want to show them something that is like a greatest hits of what's good about One Piece to intrigue them about the series, I think it's a safe bet as any. I would personally, I'd be interested in maybe trying to get my roommates to watch this, even though I'm sure they will probably say no. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I would just be interested in seeing like what someone who doesn't know anything about One Piece thinks about this movie, in my opinion. Uh, so I guess as far as like all the One Piece movies from like 2010 onward, I'm trying to think because in terms of like the last four movies we've gotten... I think I, I I mean I think I like film film Z and Gold more than this movie in terms of like story content I guess but I don't know like I rewatched Strong World recently and while I still like the movie I don't know I don't think I like it as much as like when it first came out just because I I think that movies past that happened better personally I would think I think I would put Stampede above Strong World if I really had to rank them but that that is just me I don't like Stampede as much as the previous three films. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know if it would even make my top five, because I like Movie 4 a lot, and Movie 6 is also great, but it's definitely still an enjoyable one piece film. I like it a lot more than uh, some of the early ones, for sure. Mm, what about I, you, Lord? I'm definitely in the camp that uh, prefers the last three films a lot more than this one. That being said, this is still a good One Piece film. Like, it's a film that's very much catered towards fans of One Piece and, like, kind of catering to, like, their kind of fandom. Yeah, like, th this movie is made for you to revel in that nostalgia of being a fan, which, depending on who you are, there might not be a lot of value in that, and that's totally fine. But for people who are, like, super into One Piece and have been fans for an especially long time, like, I think this is... In that department, I think this is still a pretty fulfilling film. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. There are actually two more things I want to bring up quickly that I just remembered I wanted to address. One was Buena Festa. Not necessary to the film. You could have just had Douglas Bullet be the organizer to begin with. Boy, yeah. But he really chewed the scenery, so I thought he was amusing. <laughs> so I didn't have that much of a problem. I was gonna say for for as much as we gave for as much crap as we gave like Bullet, I think Buena Festa takes the cake in terms of somebody who is like so uninteresting. He's so bland. His, I don't I mean, care. He was fun to watch, but he's just an insane person. His plan is just pure motivation makes he's no sense. Upset that Roger changed the world, and so his pirate festa he just felt would not make. It any impression at all because Roger already made the world go into chaos by starting the Great Pirate Era. So he just wants to end the Pirate Era so he can take control and change the world for itself. He's, like, he's just a narcissist who wants people to be caught up in something he's done. He's yeah. created. So he's just a crazy person. I, and he's not necessary to the film, I feel like you could have just had Douglas Bullet be the organizer you could cut him out entirely, but he has personality, which is something Douglas Blood doesn't have. So it's kind of two, one character split into two, and I appreciate him just being crazy 
and like his bug eyes and knocking over tables and running on things. You know, it's fun to watch. And then the last thing, and the interesting mystery of who Toshio Furukawa played in the film, because he's listed in the credits with uh, question marks, and we don't know who he played, because obviously Ace had that cameo in the film, because I guess there's another thing to bring up. They have this character on from the One Piece stage show at the Tokyo Tower appear in the film, exclusively just for an excuse to have that scene in the end, where Sabo uses his fire fist with um, Raj of Ace appearing next to him, just for this character was concluded purely to justify having another character show up in this film. Wait, yeah. so she wasn't kind of a new character for this film? She was in the stage show? Yeah, she was interesting. from another I didn't know that. Thing. Yeah, I, I thought that was a bit whatever, but like, I don't know, I, I, I like that image of Sabo and Ace kind of standing back to back. That was, that yeah, was kind of nice. it was a nice image. I liked the image. I just thought it was kind of funny that the only reason this other character was there to justify the scene. <laughs> and really, the scene, there's no real reason it needed to happen. It's just for the benefit of the audience, mostly. Yeah, it's just, Sabo's just like, like, okay, here, take this, uh, Photo, just like uh, pop it up. It'll look cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, I'm leading to my point is that Ace technically has a camera in the film, but he does not have a speaking role. But Tosho Furukawa is listed in the credits. I believe that he is playing whoever Roger is talking to when the screen goes black towards the end of the film. But what character he's portraying is left a mystery. Yeah. So I'm curious on our thoughts on that. Could it be Odin? Could it be Rocks? Could it be... Who? Who is it? That is an interesting question. Yeah, I honestly, like, I, 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 you're, and you're right, I, I did see Furukawa's name in the credits, but it's like, I, I'd have to watch the movie again, and like, it, this would be one of the things I would really pick apart with a fine-tuned comb, you know, but like, I don't know, like, without watching the movie again, I, I can't say that I really have a guess. Um, Odin would be interesting? I don't know. I, your guess is as good as mine, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Odin would make sense. I don't think it would be rocks. Maybe. Was, wasn't rocks, like, enemy? Yeah, but maybe there was a period where they talked to each other. Who knows? I could see them being, maybe being buds at one point, I guess. Yeah. Hmm, possibly. It's left a mystery for intentional reasons. Perhaps it'll be something brought up later or given more context to that we could go back to the film and say, oh, so that's who that character was. Surely it's someone who has some connection to Ace. If not on a directly related level, on a thematic comparable level. So, Mm, we will see. But I think that does wrap up our thoughts on One Piece Stampede. It's out of theaters now, but surely Funimation will have it out on Blu-ray soon, and if you're a One Piece fan, it's definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. But that does it for this episode of Manga Outside Movies, so let's do our plugs and hit the show on the road. So, Colton, why don't you go first? Alright, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Colton, uh, at SniperKing323. You can also find all my other podcasts, or at least links to my other podcasts that I produce over at uh, coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, I basically have a page there where I have links to shows like uh, Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast, One Podcast Prevails over at the uh, 
Ask Backwards Anime Network podcast, and even links to some Manga Mavericks stuff. Well, I mean, I guess that doesn't matter, because you're listening to Manga Mavericks technically right now, or at least a Manga Mavericks-related podcast. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's basically where you can find links to all my other shows. I think that's really about it for me. And you, Lord? People can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ, and you can find my more manga-focused reviews over on all-comic.com. Uh, we're doing a lot of stuff lately over there, so <laughs> definitely check out uh, some of my reviews there. And you can also check out uh, more of my Tanami-focused uh, articles and reviews over on TanamiFaithful.com. And affiliated with Tanami Faithful, I am doing the Demon Slayer podcast, where we cover the... Uh, dub of Demon Slayer on Tanami as well as the Simulpub chapters of the manga. So if you are a fan of Demon Slayer, definitely go check that out. Uh, Lum's been on the show already and we've had a lot of guests that have been on Manga Mavericks also on there. So yeah, definitely go listen to that. Mm-hmm. And as for you, you can find me at LumRamiyasha on Twitter and as LumRamiyasha on a variety of places like Animation Revelation and Anylist, wherever it is a LumRamiyasha, that's where you can find me. Like the alert, I'm also writing reviews for all-comma.com, so definitely check those out as well. You can find more of Manga Mavericks and Manga Mavericks at Movies on all-comma.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Manga underscore Mavericks, on Tumblr at MangaMavericks.tumblr.com, on YouTube, YouTube slash E slash Manga Mavericks, and on all sorts of podcast platforms of choice, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're probably on it. And if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, you can send those our way to mangamavericks at gmail.com. We love hearing your guys' opinions. What do you think about One Piece Stampede, about the One Piece films? Let us know. Let us know any films you're interested in us reviewing. We'd definitely love to hear your thoughts and get your feedback. But if you want to support this show, perhaps listen to some of our podcasts early and get bonus podcasts, you can support us at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, where we have a ton of bonus content for our listeners, for subscribers at the $5 tier. You get a monthly patron bonus pod. Currently, we're doing a series that Colton and Grant are doing called the Manga Mavericks Book Club on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood, where they're going volume by volume through... Phantom Blood. That series is wrapping up this month, so definitely check that out. And all our other bonus pods ultra available at that tier. You get a backlog access to our previous pods for previous months, including uh, exclusive manga fight on Monster Girls, several exclusive at movie podcasts, including podcasts on Dragon Ball Super Broly and Alita Battle Angel. So definitely check those out as well. And if you subscribe, you can also get early access to podcasts like this and many more. So if you want to show some support away, again, support us at patreon.com slash mangamavericks. But that about does it for this episode of Manga Mavericks at Movies, and we will see you in the next one. And see you.